0: Radioactive plugs you into the community weeknights at six. I'm Laura Jones and your support means Radioactive can keep passing the mic to people and nonprofits making a difference, like Fridays for Future Climate Strikers.
1: Uproot the system basically means that we want to reorganize and drastically change the political, social, and economic systems.
0: Radiothon starts October 29th. Help us to keep plugging you into the community by making your donation online at krcl.org. Old MacDonald
2: had a farm, E-I-E-I-O, and on this farm he had some chicks, E-I-E-I-O, with a chick-chick here, a chick-chick there, here chick, there chick, everywhere chick-chick. Old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O, Old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O.
0: (laughs) Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives I'm Laura Jones, and I'm in my studio closet. Al, where are you today? I'm here in my kitchen with
3: tomatoes everywhere. I was going to say. Tomatoes (laughs) on the windowsill, (laughs) tomatoes on the stove, tomatoes on the cutting board, green tomatoes ready to make green tomato bread. Tomatoes. Everywhere.
0: (laughs) You're losing your mind. You have so many tomatoes. Aldine Strike 9, KRCL's Punk Rock Farmer. What's coming up on the show tonight?
3: We have Kate McLeod with us, and that's really exciting and always. And we love when she checks in with us. I think she has a new LP coming out.
0: And a signature beer (laughs) to mark the occasion, Al.
3: It doesn't get much better than that, I
0: guess.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And then Tyler from Keep It Real Vegetables is going to check in with us, and we'll talk a little bit about garlic because it's time to plant even though everyone thinks it's winter time now it's time to plant garlic so there's a lot to go along with that and a special guest our man in South America from the sacred valley of the Incas right near Machu Picchu Mick Huerta is with us today and we'll check in with him catch up find out He's been living it up. Let's hear what it's all about.
0: <laughs> I'm excited for that. We also got Skywatcher Leo T. Rachel Getz from the Salt Lake Film Society, which is ready to return to in real life screenings, Al. And three quick picks, especially as the final market at Wheeler Farm approaches this Sunday, Al Dime. But let's get to Kate McLeod. Her new album Uranium Maiden comes out this month. And in fact, there's a show coming up on the 20th. There's a signature beer from Fisher Brewery. Kate McLeod, how you doing?
4: I'm just doing great, Laura. Hi, everybody. I'm really enjoying uh, the
0: cool, coolness outside. As we record this, Al, I had hail at my house that was covering the rooftops. How about you?
3: No hail yet. Uh, snowing up on the bench, or up, on the, up in holidays, what I heard from Pat, from yep. Pat's barbecue. Yeah.
0: Kate, how about you?
4: Oh, um, uh, misty, misty outside in my neighborhood, Sugar House.
0: Little weather report. We took care of that for you folks. Kate, this <laughs> album has been a while in the making, Uranium Maiden. Tell us what led up to this. And there's like, what, more than two dozen musicians on it with you?
4: Yeah, this is a double set. It's on... It's on- double CD right now and it's gonna be in a double LP and we're having a secret Utah release. It's not going out to the rest of the world until after the new year. So we get to get this in Utah because this music is all about Utah. It's just a collection of my songs that I've written over the past four decades. Some of them span time from the 1980s to now. And um, I just decided to put them all on one big project because they belong there.
0: Well, the legacy of (laughs) nuclear testing, uh, sounds like it, is pervasive in this album with the Uranium Maiden title.
4: (laughs) Yes, you're going to hear a song in a few minutes about that. Um, I have uh, over a dozen musicians on this. All of them are from this region, except for one special guest from France, because he did a... Um, documentary on Everett Roos and so he's playing piano on the opening track and singing with me which is the song Now is the Time to Be Alive which is a song inspired by the journals and the letters of Everett Roos before he disappeared. The lyrics are taken right from his uh, material.
3: This is a a real folklore story here in Utah. Everett Roos the guy who he was out in the desert and he just poof disappeared. Tell us a little bit more about it. Okay.
4: Well, he was a young man. He was a very young man. And he traveled by foot with mules, carrying his belongings, he traveled all around the Southwest for months at a time. And he was from a wealthy family from California, but he just really sort of um, got out of that atmosphere and he loved to travel around by foot. And he wrote about the landscape and he did artwork about the landscape. And he spent a lot of time mixing with People in the back country, and uh, he wrote letters home and journals. He kept, and when he disappeared, the only thing that was found were his mules with his, with his material items, and they never found his body. It was in the 1930s he disappeared.
3: This is Kate McLeod with Now is the Time to Be Alive from the new LP, Uranium Maiden, fresh and homegrown on KRCL 90.9 FM.
2: Where are I-
5: urban indian center of salt lake will host a boo to the flu clinic october 29th from 3 to 6 p.m for clients and family members ages 4 plus costumes welcome and it's a trunk or treat more details at uicsl.org
2: man waiting in the sky.
5: cultures one sky sky watcher leo t here as we look up look around and get a little bit lost in space looking up into the night sky up above north and eastward find the big dipper that's kind of fun by itself and with binoculars or a very dark sky up above the big dipper crawls the lovely draco the dragon one of the largest constellations in the sky sporting many deep space jewels and a meteor shower of its own the draconids that ended last week And then is transitioning right now into the Orionid meteor shower, which should fire 10 to 20 meteors at its peak. And that peak is before dawn of October 21st. And, of course, in the news, can't ignore it, Blue Origin launched William Shatner and a crew of three into suborbital space. That's right, Kirk went to space. My first reaction was, Kirk hasn't been to space yet? I thought he went out to that swirly blue and green planet with the Wahura and, you know, Sulu and stuff. Uh, Anyway... Under the umbrella of commercial development of lower Earth orbit, we have to be careful not to exploit lower space orbit for unending commercialism, such as launching of thousands of satellites from Starlink and other hundreds of satellites launches from other countries. But enjoy the moment. Even further out, the Chinese rover on the far side of the moon discovers two billion-year-old rocks complementing the rocks unearthed, I mean unmooned, by the Apollo astronauts. Now that is historical. And Perseverance rover plans its next moves around an ancient lake on Mars. NASA's next asteroid-bound mission to explore the early days of the solar system is nearly ready to launch. The Lucy spacecraft is set to launch this Saturday for a 12-year journey to the outer solar system. And now, let's take the way-back machine to 1928, and before. After decades of research, Percival Lowell, who along with other astronomers felt strongly that Planet X must exist out beyond Neptune, but died before he could find it. Clyde Tombaugh, who made his own sketches of Jupiter and Mars, landed a job at the Lowell Observatory in Flagstaff. Tombaugh started searching for Planet X in the outer regions of the solar system in 1928. Tombaugh made photographic glass plates of selected areas of the night sky, comparing the plates for any movement against the background of stars. After 10 months, Tombaugh started to see faint movement against the background, and on March 13, 1930, he announced the discovery of the ninth planet. A schoolgirl later won a contest naming it Pluto. Clyde Tombaugh? Well, his ashes were sent with the first space probe traveling 3 billion miles to Pluto in 2015. There is an area named after him, the Tombaugh Regio, in a large area of the Southern Hemisphere, and one named for Lowell as well. See the Skywatcher T site for photos, a map, and resources for this program. Stay tuned for more discoveries from New Horizons as we delve into the asteroid belt even further, another billion miles or so. Let's see what we find. Enjoy the magic as we look up, look around, and get a little bit lost in space. Skywatcher Leo T.
0: Many cultures one sky with Skywatcher Leo T, our volunteer sky loreologist Aldine. You can check the show notes to connect to his Facebook page. Still so got three quick picks coming up from Liz in Salt Lake City around Salt Lake County parks and the last market al at Wheeler Farm. You hit that one, don't you, on Sundays sometimes?
3: That's more than sometimes. That's my neighborhood market, and I try to hit it every Sunday.
0: Speaking of markets and gardens, Wasatch Community Gardens al. You remember earlier in the summer we did a shout out for a new garden, community garden they wanted to put in in over on Harrison. I think it was. I got the newsletter, yes, and the they're going to do it. They're going to do it.
3: Oh, yes. They got the funding, and and it's going ahead. Uh, lots of interest from folks in the neighborhood. It was great to be a small part of that little committee. I met with them a couple times, and um, really, really great work, as always. that Community Gardens just uh, feeding people throughout our community.
0: That's right. Check tonight's show notes. We'll put a link in there because, folks, you really want to start thinking about signing up for a row in uh, for next season's. Community Gardens. And now a special guest from Salt Lake Film Society. Rachel Getz, is joining us. I've been uh, going to the back lot, the studio back lot, the Motor Cinema for a while over the summer, Al. But I was really wondering when they're coming back for in real life screenings. And Rachel, you got the details on Salt Lake Film Society reopening Broadway and Tower. What's going on?
6: We'll be reopening at the Broadway for in-theater screenings starting Friday, October 22nd. We're very excited with the lineup that we've got coming. So we'll we hope you all come on down because we want to be showing movies on the big screen.
0: And Towers got a few hiccups, so that's delayed a bit, but it's coming. The Broadway on the 22nd, Salt Lake Film Society, folks, if you didn't know, is a nonprofit in our community using film to jumpstart conversations. What's going to be on the screen? And I understand Film Mexico is going on.
6: Well, we'll be opening up. We're very excited with Dune Retrospective. So we'll not only be opening the new Dune film, uh, but we'll also be opening up uh, Jodorowsky's Dune which was a great documentary from a few years back. And then on the next week, October 29th, we'll be opening up David Lynch's Dune, the classic from 1984. That's one with so,
0: Sting in it, right?
6: Yes, with yes, Sting, as well as Kyle McLaughlin and many others. But yeah, so we'll have that going and Film Mexico will be in its 10th year at Salt Lake Film Society in November. And we've got an exciting light up of Spanish speaking films uh, that you will not see anywhere.
0: It's the beauty of Salt Lake Film Society, how you really cultivate community through film. And where can people get all the details, Rachel?
6: We'll be posting all the details on our social media. So be sure to be following us on all those places, but also we'll be posting them up on our website at saltlakefilmsociety.org. So keep an eye out there and we'll be posting all the information.
0: And then lastly, what's at the back lot for Halloween? You got some sl- some slashers and thrashers going on?
6: Oh my gosh, Laura, for our, la- our last few screenings at our backlot Motor Cinema, we'll be showing the classic horror movies, The Thing on Friday, and then we'll be showing the original Halloween from 1978 this weekend on the 15th and 16th, and then uh, that's it for our Motor Cinema. So we're, uh, we, want, we hope you all come down.
0: Rachel, it's good to know Salt Lake Film Society, another nonprofit in our community, is coming through the pandemic with the support of the community. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Laura. To wrap rallies and resources, we're going to get three quick picks on what you can do in the parks as this weekend starts to warm up, Aldine. It's Liz in SLC.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: Doing well, Liz. Liz is from Salt Lake County Parks and Recreation, celebrating 75 years of great parks and trails, more than 100 as of today in Salt Lake County. Your tax dollars at work, folks. Thanks for giving us some time here on Punk Rock Farmer Friday. I know we're going to get some uh, final details about end of season farmer's market at Wheeler Farm, but there's something going on I wanted to make sure folks knew about in regards to Salt Lake County parks, and that is a community needs assessment. Sounds really boring. Sounds really bland. But if people participate, they're going to get better parks, right?
1: Yeah, they'll get better parks, trails, open spaces, recreation centers, ice centers, and also what we'll talk about a little bit later, Wheeler Historic Farm amenities. So by participating in the survey, they help uh, inform our future plans and spending. And anyone in Salt Lake County who has visited, who lives in Salt Lake County and has visited a park in the last year, a Salt Lake County park, can participate in the survey and we ask that they do it by October 31st, because at that time, we're going to pull all of the data and then really start going through it and figuring out our next move.
0: So what's the website where people can find it aside from when they visit a park or a trail?
1: So they can find it at recreation.slco.org. And it's also pinned to our Facebook page, which is, which is at SLCO Parks and Rec. And then we've shared it in our stories and things like that. So if they go through any of our social media accounts, they'll find it there. But again, it is on recreation.slco.org right at the top of the page.
0: All right. We're providing three quick picks from Salt Lake County Parks because, folks, cool stuff to do at either no cost or reduced fees when you visit Salt Lake County Parks and Trails and Rec Centers. What you got, Liz?
1: Okay, so we have got some good stuff today. We are talking about a ribbon cutting that we just had, which was at Magna Regional Park. The ribbon cutting was last week. On the 6th of October, it was an anxiously awaited ribbon cutting because this park is big. Once it's finished completely, it'll be 62 acres. But right now what we finished, thanks to funding from a ZAP tax, is 28 acres. So in that... People will have the opportunity to enjoy an inclusive destination splash pad. It's a little cold right now for the splash pad, but it'll be there, wait and form in the spring, as well as an inclusive destination playground. So that means those are accessible for people with disabilities. And then we've got walking paths, a multi-purpose field, and pavilions for people to utilize. So it's a pretty, be- it's amazing. Like if you weren't able to attend the ribbon cutting, I encourage you to please like. Go check it out because it is a beautiful park. Where do I check it out? It's located in Magnet Township at 4042 South, 7200 West. Our number two quick pick is Central City Recreational Center in Salt Lake City. And Central City has a ton of different programs, just like many of our rec centers, but they also have some unique programs like a hiking program. So they work closely with our outdoor program coordinators who we've talked about before on the show to provide hiking programs for people who are interested in learning about our great mountains and trails. So that's a really cool program. In addition, they have martial arts, they have youth and adult sports, and then they have some things like Zumba and yoga and mashup fitness. And that is, uh, that center is located again, in Salt Lake City at 615 South 300 East.
0: And to wrap things up, one of my favorite hidden gems in Salt Lake County.
1: Our number three quick pick is Wheeler Historic Farm in Murray. For those who aren't familiar, this is located in Murray. It is a true historic farm. They have animals there. They've got an ice house. They have a cute little store that I have spent a lot of money in, um, (laughs) which has local wares. And then they also do tours of the farmhouse, tractor rides, walking paths. There's actually a story, like a story walk. So they partnered with Salt Lake County Library to offer a story walk. And then right now, because it's October, they have pumpkin days, which is going on through October 31st. And they refer to it as a not so scary family friendly uh, activity. So they've got uh, a straw maze, a pumpkin patch, they've got pedal tractor tracks, and then vendors, some of the same vendors that you often might see at Sunday market. And Sunday market is something that they offer every Sunday throughout the summer and into the fall. This uh, coming Sunday, Sunday, October 17th is the last for, uh, Sunday market for the season. So if you are interested in grabbing some of the very best local food and crafts, then I highly recommend you stop by Wheeler Historic Farm for Sunday Market this Sunday.
0: What's the address out there at Wheeler Historic?
1: They're located at 6351 South 900 East.
0: So Liz, where can people get details on all of the quick picks for today, as well as the community needs assessment?
1: All of that information is available on our website, which is recreation.slco.org.
0: Thanks, Liz. Thank you. And Aldine, the final Farmers market at Wheeler Farm on Sunday. You going to go? You going to make a, make it an event on Sunday? <laughs>
3: Always. <laughs> Definitely. For sure. You know that's my neighborhood market like I said and, and uh I, I really enjoy that one. It, it's and it's Sunday is a great day. It's a, there's no other markets that day. Um it's a good one.
0: Wrap up your season. This weekend at the Wheeler Farm Farmers Market. And let's get another song from tonight's featured musician, Utah's own Kate McLeod, Aldine.
3: Tell us about the next song, Kate, U-235.
0: Well, this song is a bit of
4: a poem put to music, and uh, it's about our complicated relationship with uranium and actually our complicated relationship with our natural resources so i had a special guest on this who is going to be joining me on my cd release concert Nino Reyes, who's a native american musician he's a grammy nominated he's just amazing so this is a duet between he and i on this track i actually play the mountain dulcimer on it and he plays
0: his flutes and uh, a drum he's going to be a special guest wonderful so that is 7 30 on wednesday night the 20th it's online it's part of the excellence in the community concert series right kate
4: yes it's a live concert as well with limited seating so if someone wants to get a seat they have to register for that through the excellence concerts website which is excellent And they will also have it live streaming on their site as well as their YouTube channel at 7.30 p.m. Wednesday, October 20th at 7.30 p.m.
0: Al, this album, I'm really excited to get the whole thing. We've got a couple of songs that we're featuring tonight off Uranium Maiden from Kate McLeod. But let's get to this next one, especially since this is radioactive. Why don't you do the honors?
3: This is uh, U-235 from Uranium Maiden by Kate McLeod, fresh and homegrown. On KRCL 90.9 FM.
4: Way out in the wild country there
2: is an element of wonder There is an element of nature and of beauty born of dust in name by numbers. users it makes all of us down winters what will the tailing its might, when misused and abused, when we choose to be foe.
5: Support for KRCL comes from the Mobile Moon Co-op, a female and queer collective and mobile apothecary offering handcrafted herbal products, teas, and cultural events and workshops. More information at mobilemooncoop.org or on social media platforms at Mobile Moon Co-op.
0: Welcome back to Radioactive on KRCL. I'm Laura Jones. Aldine Strick 9 is here, which means it's Punk Rock Farmer Friday. And Aldine, I know you're surrounded by tomatoes, but you also... Before we get to our man in South America, in the land of the Incas, we got to talk about planting garlic.
3: One of the big crops uh, I get excited about, it's something I use all the time, something folks go crazy for, it sells out at the markets. No matter how much they grow, there's always a need for garlic. Tyler Montague with us from Keep It Real Vegetables. But before we talk about garlic, let's talk just a little bit about the changes that went on this year and what kind of a growing year it was. I mean, you, there was a change at the beginning of the season and, and you took it and ran with
7: it. Yep. So yeah, I, I'm back to being the solo boss at Keep It Real Vegetables, but um, I found a really awesome assistant farm manager and, um, had a really awesome team of young, excited about farming people. You know, I used this year to kind of pivot more into a management role where I can um, delegate some of the work more and more to other people, which is awesome for me because, um, you know, as we expand, I just can't do everything myself. So anyways, I had a really awesome team and we had a great year. Despite the heat, everything grew like crazy. So it was a great year.
3: It really was, wasn't it? I mean, everyone I've talked to said even though it was hot at the beginning of the year, it was really an abundant year as far as produce went. I saw a lot of stuff.
7: yeah, absolutely i don't I don't know what explains that, but uh, maybe it's all the extra carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, I don't know, but uh, uh, <laughs> something you know it's i I'll, I'll take it, you know, it was a great year.
3: So planting a lot of garlic is always on the agenda with Keep It Real. And I know there are some plans for this year. You took over a big garden on 7th East. The plan is to plant all garlic. When are we doing it?
7: Pretty much as soon as the markets end uh, and I can get it cleared out. It's on. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm planning to plant more garlic, honestly, than I ever have before. Double, Double what I did last year. I inherited a a garden from my, my good friend and other local small farmer um, Molly from Pomona produce. She moved to Vermont to be closer to her family and start farming out there, which is great for her, but um, she passed me her garden. So I have a big new space and I was, I was kind of looking for a place to expand my garlic planting. So it was all very uh, serendipitous and that's the plan. So I've got, my whole basement is full of garlic and winter squash and I'm ready to go.
3: Sounds good. And so how about some tips? I know, or let's just talk about planting, planting the actual, the actual deed of planting. And um, when you plant so much garlic, I don't know if you want to give it away, but you have a secret to sowing so much garden, garlic and it's, uh, it, it involves a power tool.
7: yeah so since since our farm is no-till we don't use tillers anymore which is usually the method for loosening up the soil so that you can push the cloves in the ground easier um but since we don't do that i uh have a i just have a hammer drill a power drill that i drill a hole for each garlic which is pretty labor intensive but um works great um but if you have if it's just a home garden or whatever and you have nice soft soil hopefully you've added some compost in there um i would say for for most garlic growers a home garden scale you can just push the cloves in the ground and and you should be good to go
3: (laughs) i i think it works really great i mean you know somebody drilling the holes and then a couple two three people uh planting garlic behind you and it seems like we can plant like Thousands of cloves in just a few hours, and and that's what you're looking at because the number is, boy, if you double that number from last year, yeah, how many heads of garlic is it really going to be close to?
7: I think we're looking at close to ten thousand heads this year.
3: <laughs>
7: that's wow. a lot of garlic it and is so, but you know so, you're getting so much faster al you're getting faster <laughs> and faster each year so we're gonna get it done in record time sounds good i'm i'm excited let's go do it it's uh, one of my favorite favorite times
3: of year and uh, i love to help you guys plant garlic so you you also steward a site that's called true garlic seed form and um you know uh, we plant cloves of garlic but garlic will also produce seed. And uh, tell us a little bit about just about that quirk and how that works.
7: Yeah. So, so basically garlic has been grown by humans for so long that most strains of garlic have forgotten how to reproduce sexually, which means they no longer make flowers and, and proper true seeds, um, which is the only way that Uh, plants can evolve is to make actual seeds Um, almost all garlic grown today is grown via clone which is just taking the cloves and replanting them which is basically just like a clone of the the plant that you're you took it from and so it's not evolving it's not adapting to um, be disease resistant or not adapting as quickly to um you know growing in a really hot dry climate like we like ours so something that myself and you know a handful of other people Uh, across the planet actually are are working on is trying to coax some of the older garlic varieties that are still sexually fertile to produce actual seeds. And they, instead of a clove, they look kind of like a, like an onion seed, like a little black seed. But basically if you can generate garlic that way, that is how we will make new strains of garlic that are able to adapt to uh, modern modern growing challenges, whether that be disease or pests or climate or what have you. And then what is the
3: little, the little popcorn, little thing that booble? what, what are those, what are those, where do those come? So yeah. The so it,
7: the hardneck garlic still does a, does a flower stalk, the garlic scape, which I'm sure people, are, some people are familiar with. They're delicious to eat, but if you leave that on and they keep growing and the flower head forms, yeah, the, the flower head forms kind of a ball of these little tiny, um, bulbels they're called, but they're basically just little cloves. So those two are clones. Those are not seeds. Um, uh-huh. and, and that is how hardneck garlic reproduces generally, like in the wild is those, those seed heads form, they become heavy. The plant dies, they tip over those sprinkle out across the ground. And that's how the garlic can propagate itself. But those are not seeds. Those are bulbals um, to get the seeds. You actually have to remove those little bulbs from the flower head early on and in between uh-huh. the in between the bulbuls, there's these little tiny tiny actual flowers these little threads of flowers basically what happens is the bubbles take all the energy away and kill those flowers normally so you have to remove those and give the flowers a chance to live and then hopefully, if you do that, then the flowers can get pollinated, and you have a chance at getting um, seeds. But it's not easy, like I said, because garlic has kind of forgotten how to do this. So sometimes, even if you do that, you don't have luck. So it's kind of a it's kind of a lost art. Um, but it's something that's important, I think, if we're going to continue to to grow garlic and and have new strains of garlic that can be be hardy going into the future very cool thanks
3: thanks for all the information thanks for checking in with us today where can folks find
7: you keep it real vegetables and uh and happy garlic growing absolutely um yeah so we are every saturday at the downtown slc downtown farmers market during the main season and then we're also at wheeler farm every sunday um and then uh, you know we're on social media you can just google keep it real vegetables we're on instagram facebook and have a website and all that stuff so
3: folks are welcome to check out the the forum too for true garlic seed right yeah
7: if you if you are on facebook um and you just look up true garlic seed forum uh if you're a garlic dork like i am um you can join the forum and just um it's a big international discussion about what well, we've been talking about growing garlic from true seeds so it's kind of exciting
0: very cool thanks tyler
7: thank you okay now we're gonna go uh south of the equator not just the border
3: the equator <laughs> where it's springtime and we, as we go into winter the in south of the equator it's springtime how how's spring springing up there in uh in South America, Mick. Mick, where to?
8: Well, uh, well, it's springtime in the Andes, and things are just alive. Today, I've heard uh, you all mention that you know there's uh, hail and, and cold temperatures, you know, in uh, in the Salt Lake area. <laughs> Here, it's it's about uh, mid seventies, and it's been very, very sunshiny morning. All kinds of flowers in bloom, and uh, I'm uh, living currently in the Sacred Valley of the Incas. And this was their salad bowl and their bread basket and uh, where all the, all the cereals come from. So everything from quinoa and amaranth. And uh, today I was in the market and I was picking up shard, uh, uh, Swiss chard and a whole variety of others. Like I buy fresh mint to make my mint tea and, uh, and uh, the, the cilantro comes in huge bundles and parsley and all the rest. And uh, is the profusion of green right now is just is truly shocking, and I'm very I, I feel very very lucky to be here. So this is this has been this is exciting. This has been the agricultural
3: center for thousands of years, and you're right in the thick of it now. And I know we've been we've been for gathering pepper seeds and stuff, but we're sort of branching out. We're going towards fruit and uh and and you know just trying to go a little be a little different and and grow some of things that you have down there we're trying to grow those things up here um tell 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 me about uh tell me Tell me about uh, what's what you're picking right now or what what you're looking for right now in the markets.
8: I just think that right now, basically I'm talking to everybody. And much like you, Al, once I get into a market, you know, you're chatting, you're learning from people. I bought some black and and white corn today. And I asked, what what's the name of this corn? Because there are about 54 varieties of corn in Peru, 59 in Mexico. And I said, what's the corn? They said, it's maize. And I said, well, it's got to have a particular name. I said, well, it's black and white. I went, oh. <laughs> and I said, well, how am I going to cook this? And she said, well, you just put it in water and you boil it and it's delicious. And I, and I, I felt a little stupid. <laughs> I was schooled. And, uh, but the thing of it is, is that there's so much profusion. Where I am in, in Urubamba, we're right basically between Cusco and Machu Picchu. We're only 30 miles away from Machu Picchu. And as you go toward Machu Picchu, the mountain valley starts to go down and lowers into the Amazon, Kiabamba, They're producing amazing chocolate, amazing coffee, I had uh, the good fortune of bumping into a fellow who is a representative of one of the, the communities. And I was speaking to him about their challenges of growing cacao, chocolate, and he was calling it chuncho, which is a Quechua word that means pure. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, it's not a hybrid in Africa and all these other places. They have hybrids because they produce more. It's sort of like if you think about coffee, there's the Robusto and that plant produces much more coffee. And the stuff we like to drink is Arabica. It's a finer plant, produces less, but of a higher quality. So I was asking them, what are your challenges? And said, well, we produce an amazingly high quality cacao, a cocoa paste, and then they sell it to the Swiss and chocolate producers. And these farmers are not receiving the benefit of producing some of the best chocolate in the world. And I said, well, aren't you, said, what, what, "What? so what's missing? And he said, well, we don't know how to make chocolate bars. I said, well, I know how to do that. So I'm going, I'm scheduled. So I'm, I'm always, you know, like you, you ask questions and then you, you, you find out, you know, what skills you have that might match a need with somebody else and I get to jump in. So now I uh, here, uh in about 2 weeks time, I'm going to be inv- I'm invited down and I'm going to be living with these people and the men work the uh the uh, the cocoa plants and there's the women I'll be with the women in the kitchen. This is my life and I'll be making <laughs> I'll making uh <laughs> making beautiful chocolate and it is so good that it's not bitter. So we can do uh, chocolate bars at ninety percent
0: that okay. are
8: not bitter. They have a beautiful chocolate flavor.
0: We need to put in an order, Al, from Radioactive <laughs> and the Punk Rock Farmers. So we'll take care of that off air. But we're going to be ordering some of that from from your workshop.
8: Yeah, it's <laughs> and and well, what well worth the effort and uh, and it's 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 just been thrilling to see uh, because we are only thirteen degrees. South of the equator, but we're up at about just a little bit below 10,000 meters in this valley, and so it means that we have a very, very benign kind of climate so being so close to the equator doesn't burn our heads off because we've got beautiful air moving through so. one of the projects that myself and a couple of friends are doing is that we're looking for the organic produce, and uh, we're looking to start a sacred Valley foods company with uh, producing hot sauces from the peppers that grow here in the sacred Valley organically. And we're already sourcing, we're already making all the friends that are already in the, that are in the fields and producing this beautiful produce. And uh, we're going to be using Huacatay, which is an Incan, um, well, they call it black mint in English, but I think it has marjoram and and thyme notes to it. So it's more herbaceous and green. So we're looking to make a signature hot sauce from, from Machu Picchu and the Sacred Valley with flavors that no one can get anywhere else. Also, there's a little tiny fruit, Al, you and I have spoken about this, Aguaymanto, it's called. It's sort of like a tomatillo, the Mexican to- tomatillo, the green one. This one is small, it's yellow, and it eats like a fruit. Well, we've been making jams out of this, and, uh, and it's just sort of outrageously concentrated Andean flavor. You get some of the earth, some of the sky, and the beautiful produce all rolled into one. And we're very, very, we're we're just thrilled to be here. We're thrilled to be part of the community. And people are, because we're talking about ideas and as well, we're here to buy, assist, uh, help in in terms of making chocolate bars, whatever we can do to help people do more with what they have and, because i i don't sort of crushes me to see people who are struggle uh keeping the roof over the head and the kids in the school when they're producing some of the most amazing stuff chocolate fruit all the rest and you got to do the value added and that's that's the part that uh, we know how to do better and so uh, we're in the process of getting ourselves registered and becoming sacred valley foods and uh and purveying the best of uh, the Andes to the
3: world—super exciting stuff. When you were back here, also, you said uh, you had some uh, a talk of a spirit, um, a spirited beverage, also something with a little kick to it that you were thinking about putting into work into the works.
8: Well, that's a bit on the back burner, and the reason for that is. is <clears throat> is that the pandemic has really slowed the economy down. There are three glass factories because we were looking to do a potato vodka from where potatoes come from. It, it, it sort of makes sense, right? And uh, yeah. and then on top of that, there's so many different types of flavors of potatoes. We thought that we could produce something that would be unique and would come is to, from the Sacred Valley, from the Andes, you know? And uh, speaking to the glass factories, they're basically producing they're taking care of their big customers and if we're not going to place a huge order they're not going to do a bottle for us and uh, but they're making little uh, bottles for their their sweet wines that they produce here in peru and uh pisco there's a pisco bottle is distinct and uh and they're producing those but for the moment there really isn't uh, a lot of movement on on that scene however all the pieces have been built and so once we can uh, jumpstart it, we're uh, we're we're ready to go. But in the meantime, awesome. we have so much energy. We've got to we we've got to work with people and make chocolate bars.
3: <laughs> well, is that a wood fire oven behind you? What is what is that behind you,
8: Mick? Well, you know, uh, I have a good friend Dario who's Italian. This huge wood uh, wood burning oven. He's been teaching me how to use this. So this goes up like 500 Celsius, so that's about a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. And uh, what I have learned is that when you use this thing, it's sort of like working with paellas. We've done that out together. Is that you build the fire, the flames come up, and as it begins to die, there's ash that goes onto the wood. That means that your temperature is coming down. That's when you put the pie on, and that's when you begin to put the things into the wood-burning oven. So we have done uh, everything from eggplant, whole variety of uh, the uh, potatoes that come from the Andes, salmon, the trout, and uh, and I've been very, very fortunate that Dottie Oak has been uh, teaching me how to how to set the fire, how to be able to. Uh, position everything so that you can get the best results out of a wood burning oven so everything here at uh, at altitude in the sacred valley has been a learning experience and uh, in the same token i've been engaging with uh the the, the farming people and with uh the women who were also who uh, and they have themselves certified as purveyors of organic produce and so we buy from them in order to make sure because there are people still here in this valley who are using chemicals fertilizers and you know pesticides and all of that but a growing movement so here's the the positive note to all of this growing movement to be organic permaculture thinking in terms of cycle, what can you do now to fortify everything that you will need in the future, give something to the earth and mama nature, Pachamama as we call her here, she takes care of you. And it's growing and it's becoming a thing. And we're we're in love with it. You know, I'm so
3: glad you're riding that wave. It's what we're doing here. We're riding the wave of our agricultural revolution. And I don't think there's much better that folks can do. I mean, grow the best food you can and eat it. Uh, That's living life. I believe those are the two things that are right there.
8: Well, I I think that there's one of the, the biggest reinforcements is that you eat a carrot and not only tastes like a carrot, but it has a natural sweetness. How about a tomato that actually tastes like a tomato like your grandmother grew? Remember when they actually had flavor, rather than the cardboard tomatoes that come in a cardboard box and taste like the box? So I mean, this is I I I understand it, and I'm very very uh, excited about the permaculture and all the rest. But you know, as an eater, <laughs> <laughs> it hits me on that level, and uh, <laughs> it's with the with you know as a cook and an eater and someone who, much like you, Al, is that we cook in order to feed the people that we love. And if we haven't met you yet, please sit down. There's always room for one more at the table, and we always have one more plate. And so your heart has always been very, very big. I'm so happy that uh, you and Laura are are doing this in order to get the word out that, you know, uh, good quality is good tasting. And, you know, it's not only good for you, it's good for your children and the planet. And so, uh, so we're on it. That's it.
3: (laughs) Well, Mick, it was so wonderful to talk to you today. And I'm so glad that you're more accessible. You're in a place where you have a little more signal than you've ever had before. And I see you post on facebook and i see you you're you're more visible now and i and you know while i always know where you are i'm happier now that i i see what you're doing and what you're partaking what you're eating and and you're having a great time living life i love it thanks so much for joining
8: us well I think that's that's uh, the thing about being transparent is that not only does it allow more light to come in but deep down everyone finds out that I'm very shallow. I just like I just like to grow good things and eat good things and share good things and I think that the world should be a welcoming place and the more you know love light and positive energy that we can uh, that we can put out into the world then uh yeah it's just better for all of us and so Thank you both today. Thank you very, very much. And thank you for the invitation. You're absolutely lovely. And uh, I've, I've really I've not only enjoyed our little chat, but your guests have been just superlative. Oh, lovely thanks. people. All my best. Take right. care. You Love you. We
3: take right. care, Mick. That's our man, Mick Huerta, south of the equator.
0: Time to close the show with one more song from our featured artist tonight, Kate McLeod, whose new album Uranium Maiden is about to come out only in Utah before it hits the rest of the world. Right, Kate? That's right, from my hometown.
3: So, Kate, there's a lot of local musicians and one foreign musician on this record. Tell us a little bit about how you got everybody together.
4: Oh my gosh, I spent six years recording these songs, and uh, it was quite a it was quite a task to get everything organized for it. Um, so, I took my time, and I actually had guests into the studio individually. I would record the song, and then have the guests come in, and Honestly, it really was a project for me. It's the largest project I've ever I've ever created. And if it wasn't for the pandemic slowing everything down, I might never have finished it. So there you go.
0: <laughs> so 26 Utah-based musicians. I think I saw Bob Smith on drums in there. Yes, we've got several drummers and a few bass players. Uh, my friends, Mandy
4: Danzig and Mark Hazel, who play in my band, Bob Smith. We have... We have guests like Steve Lutz and Charlotte Bell on oboe, and we have Kurt Bestra on piano.
0: Well, something new to go along with the release of Uranium Maiden in Al is a signature beer. I know you like all things brewed, so <laughs> let's hear more about the, the <laughs> special beer, Kate.
4: Yeah, well, the Fisher Brewery, you know, just makes such great beer and they heard about this Uranium Maiden project and they like the title. <laughs> and I like to fundraise for things. So we got together and we decided we'd make a beer in honor of the Uranium Maiden recording. And we'd have it as a fundraiser for Habitat for Humanity here in Salt Lake. So when you buy this beer from Fisher Brewery, it's a limited it's a limited run. They're making a batch, I suppose. That money goes to Habitat for Humanity. And I will be playing at the brewery on the 22nd from 4 to 6 p.m. and 8 to 10 p.m. I'll do some solo. I'll have some musicians with me. We're going to have a really good time.
0: So Uranium Maiden Beer and the album. Check tonight's show notes, folks, for all the details, how to pick it up and where to see Kate live. We got one more song here. Al, why don't you do the honors?
3: Storm on the desert, fresh and homegrown from Kate McLeod on KRCL 90.9 FM.